on ABC Radio. This is The Big Fish with Scott Levi. Ahoy there. Welcome aboard to another edition of The Big Fish. Have you ever been on an online fishing forum? Most people are helpful. But then you get the know-all experts who like to put others down to boost their own ego. Well, I've found the perfect fishing chat site and it's run by women for women. Men are invited and can be part of it, but only if they leave their trolling gear in the tackle box. That's our first cast on The Big Fish. Fishing is such an accessible thing. Uh, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you, you love it. Uh, even if you don't, it's something you can do if you want to do. And most people live very close to somewhere where they can dangle a line. The Women's Recreational Fishing League is empowering women right across the state and, and hopefully around the nation to get into this passion, this, this pastime, this sport that we love so much. And it's a brainchild of Joe Starling and, and many other great fishing women. And Joe joins us on the line. Morning, Joe. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, listeners. How are you? Going well. Joe, I was really impressed. I've been invited into the, the group chat on, on Messenger for the Women's Recreational Fishing League, and I've never seen a more inclusive, supportive, peer-to-peer, non-condescending, no-mansplaining space, a safe space for women, and so many women who love this sport. I, I, you've just uncovered... A phenomenal resource. It, uh, they're all so inspiring, aren't they? And, and what's, um, to me, so inspiring about these girls that have um, dropped their guard and, and joined the WRFO, they all sign up to mentor and be mentored. You know, they, they recognise that um, there's always more to learn and there's always something that they've got to teach. Um, and I, I really feel like they're embracing that 100%. Um, and they're not allowed to be condescending. <laughs> we, we, we only have a few rules and they're all about it being a supportive space and elevate, uh, supportive space and a safe space and an elevating space. Um, there's mm-hmm. no diminishing of anyone allowed. So, so you're allowed uh, to, to be a troller, but not a troll. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yep. There's only one kind of trolling in our world. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the. It's not the nasty kind. I just no, love the. Of those, but no, they're not allowed. The sharing of information, you know, and and anyone can talk about anything. And oftentimes we go off on these niche parts of fishing, and we yeah. don't really know about some of the basic techniques. There are people who are absolute masters with lures and um, soft plastics, but when they want to soak a bait with the kids, you know, they may not know much about that. And, and it's, it's great that any question is answered in an honest, open and a non-condescending way. No mansplaining allowed. No, that, that's exactly right. There's no room for it. And the thing is that um, what, what I find fascinating in the whole thing um, is the, it was a lesson that I learnt a very long time ago when I was a um, teenager involved in um, full contact karate and going through the process in five years from a white belt through to provisional black belt and then watching, I I dropped out before my black belt um, training because I realised that the black belts that I was aspiring to be had forgotten what it was like to be a white belt and as a 
an empath, um, I sort of figured that, well, that, that's not a higher state of being, right? And so in everything that I, I do in the fishing space, which is now where I obviously put all my energy, it's reminding people to remember what it was like to be a white belt because this is a part of the problem that we all have when um, if we're finding that we're trying to introduce people to our sport and explain it and we take them out for a fishing trip and they don't get it, it's probably that we've tried to um, introduce them as a black belt, forgetting that they're a white belt. And that's what's so wonderful about the league is is that the white belts can ask questions and there are no black belts. They yeah. all remember what it was like to be a white belt. And the example that you've just given with the, the bait fishing thing is, you know, essentially most of us started there, but we move so far beyond it that we lose um, lose the touch in that space. And yet that's where we really need to be getting kids in or anything like that. So yeah, and women sure. are into it too. They do move past it pretty quickly because generally we, we don't really like the stinky bait. So usually we move them straight <laughs> on. Oh, I think there are a lot of guys, a lot of guys like that as well, <laughs> who don't particularly yeah. like bait on on their boats or or bait oh, on their right. bait on their hooks. So you know, yeah. it's it's something that you don't need. Uh, soft plastics have been a revolution, but people sharing tips on all sorts of things on that forum, and it, it changed my perspective on the women's recreational fishing league because we'd only ever done um interviews about the events like the b- big event at glenbourne um yeah. which is is quite advanced you know people using sounders using boats using different techniques to target shut down bass it was a, a real yeah. learning curve and it, it was more along that um you know not not the elite i guess but the high end of fishing mm. but this made me realize that this movement is is really not about that no, it's not. No, so um, we are. Our, our goal is stated to achieve fifty-fifty by twenty-fifty. So what we want to see by the year twenty-fifty, and I'm sure we will um, achieve it sooner, um, is to see an equal number of female to male um, participants in recreational fishing, and that's really important for the entire sector, whether it be through the employment opportunities that we have right through to um, societal change because we know the benefit that recreational fishing can bring to families and kids. Um, and uh, and then further to the political stream where um, in some sectors it's pretty easy to write recreational fishing off as a hobby of um, testosterone-driven Putins, right? <laughs> and, so, and so if we bring the... Um, the participation of women, the numbers up, then that balances and writes that whole thing completely off and we start to balance that out. So so from from a, uh, the perspective of the future of recreational fishing, that particular goal of 50-50 by 2050 benefits us all. Um, and so the Women's Recreational Fishing League is here to break down any barriers that exist in the minds of the women as to what's in it for them or whether or not they'll be welcomed. So we have the, the the tournaments that we run, are mentoring tournaments. Um, we're not interested in providing a space for women to compete against women rather than compete against men, and and therefore find it easier to find glory. Because you know, if they're ready to find glory, they're ready to fish in the non-gender specific world of fishing. So we're not encouraging that. But what we will use the tournaments for is to um, 
help the women in a safe space flex their muscles, teach others and learn others, uh, learn skills. But um, remembering that before the tournament even starts, there's a full-day intensive clinic that takes a beginner right through the whole process to get them ready to join a boat and, and fish um, alongside a, a, a more experienced angler. So everything is about um, elevating, building confidence and um, fast-tracking women through the process to just go out there and join the wreck fishing community as, a, as an equal participant. And we're not gender biased, some might say we are, but as, as you will have seen, um, there are fellows that come on board there and they talk and as long as they're sticking to our rules, which is elevating all, um, their advice is as welcome as anyone else's. Yeah, it was just a revelation to me because I thought it was more about, um, you know, the, those events rather than this this community that you're gathering. Joe Starling on the recreational fishing, uh, women's recreational fishing league, which is uh, absolutely kicking goals, even though it does sound like a footy comp a bit, Joe. <laughs> but, uh... Well, that that's actually quite deliberate because you know there's a real um, movement in women's sport, in sport Australian sport in general, in bringing um, the the women participants in so we've got you know the um the women's cricket league the the um rugby league the afl everything else all the women's leagues are uh, going really well and a lot of people men included are actually heard saying i actually prefer watching the women play because it's back to the fundamentals rather than the oh definitely definitely no that they they really do play the game in the right way there are many men who who could benefit from watching uh, the technique of, of women's sports people in, in soccer and, and rugby league and AFL and, and cricket yes. particularly. And um, the WRFL, uh, is it possibly a, a way for women to, to come in at the ground level but to, to build up with the knowledge that we have now? And a lot of men are too proud to, to admit that there are holes in their, their knowledge. I, I remember yes. learning so much. I went out with a, a, a brim uh, tournament professional, a, a truck driver, mate who who uh, put me on his his uh, $60,000 brim boat and we went around Brisbane water in the Hawkesbury and I learned more in a day and took skills away that I really enjoy using now particularly walking the dog style uh, lure fishing you know mm-hmm. that there's a, quite a technique to that and it's mm-hmm. so much fun to to get those surface hits from brim and flathead mm-hmm. and whiting it's just so much fun and I do it all the time now, and I would would never have had the door open to me if I hadn't have hopped on board with that bloke, and he hadn't shared the techniques and the lures, because um, there's a fair bit of technique involved in that style of fishing. But of course, you can just use a popper, and and um, you know it's a bit easier. But that walking the dog style of surface lure fishing is just so addictive, and mm. we we need often to, you know, have those mentors, don't we? And and they're sometimes hard to come by because they're all out fishing. Well, it, it's true, and I actually personally um, feel like the fellas have got it so much harder than us girls when it comes to learning, when it comes to finding someone who will teach you without um, the ribbing or the ridicule or the, you know, well, I, I don't know what goes on in that space, but a lot of the fellas that I talk to say, we, we want something like this for us because for a fella to stick his hand up and say, hey, I actually can't tie a knot, is a really brave thing to do in man culture. Well, on some of those forums, they'll question your masculinity. They'll, they'll, Absolutely. And your sanity. And, and, you, and you know. that's really 
really unfair because we're not born with a fishing rod in our hands as much as, you know, we wish we were. Um, but in the women's space, to stick your hand up and say, I don't know how to do that. Can someone show me? The girls just jump on because it makes them feel great to share the skill. Whereas the, the pylon that happens in, in the blokes forums sometimes is a different, um, comes from a different place. And um, so I'm hoping seriously, Scott, that uh, once we get to our, our 50-50, that we can drop the W off the front and we'll become the, uh, the Rec Fishing League. Uh, maybe the ARFL, the Australian <laughs> Red Fishing League, and um, and the, the comps and everything will continue, but um, we won't be so um, focused on welcoming or, or encouraging women to get into the sport, but everyone and providing that that mm. learning space. But but it's you know, also um, creating the next generation of anglers, isn't it? Because often times, sadly, still today, Mum does the 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 lion's share of of um, that, that work with children, uh, raising mm. children. Well, this is the thing, you know, we, I sort of figure we don't focus on um, children as the Women's Recreational Fishing League. Um, we we don't believe in gender bias in fishing, so we think it's just as much the man's job to stay at home and look after the kids while mum goes fishing. But <laughs> the, um, the important thing... But you know the reality, you know the reality that... Um, you know, sometimes many mums, uh, if they need to, to have a fish, they'll have the kids in tow. Well, correct, but families going fishing together, um, if, if mum is an active fisher who doesn't need dad's help and it doesn't cause um, a marital tension, I suppose, because yeah. mum's not, not forcing dad to be a guide, mum's not um, taking any of dad's fishing time away because she's completely um, capable as well, what happens then is as the kids get to the teenage um, time of their life or the tween age, probably more importantly, where the device becomes very attractive. If mum's staying home, then that's an easy out for the kids, right? And, oh, oh no, thanks, Dad, I'll just stay home with mum and then they're straight on the device. Whereas if mum's going fishing as well, we get to keep our juniors fishing for longer through that formative space. And if we can get them through that space, then we've got more hope of holding them. So we don't feel the, the need to run kids' clinics or anything like that. That's, um, that, that's generally a wreck fishing sector um, responsibility. But making sure that the women who haven't grown up with fishing have a safe place to catch up, then we think we're doing the nation a world of good. And Joe, how do um, people become part of the WRFL online community? Well, every state has a WRFL um, Facebook group. Um, that's probably the easiest thing. Um, or they can just go onto the womensrecfishingleague.org website and, um, and find our touch points through there. Join the newsletter. Um, that newsletter will then come out once a month and it tells them of all the events that are happening around the place. And slowly, 2023 is going to be a very, very big year. We imagine that we'll start seeing tournaments being run in in more of the states around um, the country and um, hopefully we will attract our foundation partner, which will just give us the resources that we need to truly romp this thing forward. So, but we, you know, we've got thousands of um, of people online, member, uh, supporters that are registered with the various groups around Australia. And, yeah, uh, the numbers are just uh, phenomenal. I mean, 
It's a really active um, online chat group. I couldn't believe, you know, if you've got a, an issue of, you know, even want to, um, you know, work on techniques or, or whatever, lure selection or, or places or any any question at all, there's so many people there to answer um, your call. It's just incredible. It's like a 24-hour-a-day fishing hotline. It is. It is. And, and you know, all the girls, you can just feel the the joy that they're, they're getting out of um, of having this resource at their fingertips and um, genuinely um, buoys my heart when I when I see it all happening and it I, I really have to get on you know there, there's um, there's genuine peer to peer support coming from everywhere and um, yeah it's it's all across Australia it's happening everywhere so uh, <laughs> it's it's quite <laughs> phenomenal really. It's just marvellous, Joe, um, to see it take shape, a, a, an idea a few years back and now really kicking goals, <laughs> the Women's Recreational Fishing Lure, uh, fishing, the Women's Recreational Fishing League. Uh, tight lines, Joe, and, and keep keep going. We'll keep chatting in the new year, particularly about uh, some of the big events coming up and, and all the rest of it. And if people want to go online, just go to the Women's Recreational Fishing League and they can uh, be part of it. Thanks for your time. Yes. Oh, thank you for giving me the time. It's great. And Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you, Joe Starling. Merry Christmas to you and Steve and all the crew. Thank you. This is The Big Fish on ABC Radio. In the immortal words of Errol Gray, the Sawtell songbird... Take me where the whiting abiding... Dogfish Dave and Botany Bay Burney in the Santa Maria, their luxury pleasure-cruising fishing yacht came home with a very tasty bag of very interesting whiting. Not the usual yellow-finned whiting of the estuary dogfish, Dave, but a different variety. Is that right? Yes, Scott, good morning. Good morning, dogfish. Yeah. Uh, we had a great day out on Tuesday out on the bay, and uh, we we got a nice uh, bag of the eastern school whiting, not the normal sand whiting, but the the smaller, um, equally delicious uh, eastern school. Yeah, and there's the um, the trumpeter whiting, which is often caught in winter time in big numbers. There's no minimum length on those; they're quite small, and these ones aren't as as big. As your yellowfin, they don't go over 40 centimetres, but they're just as tasty. They're voracious feeders too. Like, I mean, times I've been out chasing whiting with you, it's been a very finesse affair, you know, light lines. and But these ones were going big sort of um, sna- snapper lead, you know. Uh, Flathead bottom rigs, yeah. Bottom rigs and, uh, <laughs> yeah, they weren't shy. That's right. Well, when you do it with me, it's the, the four-pound spiderweb line and the... Uh, a special, uh, you know, light uh, long shank hook and uh, uh, real finesse, and and then the the special live baits, the the worms or the the nippers. But these things, uh, they'll they'll just about chew on anything they can get into their mouth. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they were going squid and prawn. Uh, they they uh, drew up short of the slimy mackerel, though. As to how they taste, uh, they were delicious, as as we said. But um, uh, the the first lot I cooked, uh, I filleted them and um, panko breadcrumb, uh, shallow fry. They were delicious. And the second one, they were just I just butterflied them and and rolled them in a bit of seasoned flour and also shallow fried. And I think that that was just as good. And 
because um, once they're cooked, the backbone comes out in one piece and whatever other bones are left in there are so fine, you, you can eat them um, without fear of choking on them. And, uh, yeah, delicious. It was a very tasty feed of fish. You sent me the photo to make me drool. These beautiful whiting, mm. three Big, fat, gorgeous flathead, not too big, obviously, in the slot limit, under 70, but just the right eating size, and a nice big silver trevally, which you've turned me on to as the best, one of the best sashimi fish in the sea. So they're all real. Oh, and a beautiful big dinner plate size flounder, really big flounder. Yeah, we got the They're all the best eating fish. We got the gourmet selection. Tight lines, dogfish. Thanks for joining us again. All the best to Botany Bay Burnie, and we'll catch you next year in the big fish. I'll pass on your regards and all the best to the listeners and happy Christmas. Take me where the whiting abiding And the flathead are lazing in the sand With an esky and a ten-foot tinny And leave me up a river somewhere Heaven's up an estuary, a river or a creek Your best mate and some two-stroke, enough to last a week the Abbey Pump, the Brad Pot, and your favourite fishing gear. And don't forget your stubby holder to hold your yummy beer. Take me where the whiting abiding, and the flathead are lazing in the sand. With an esky and a ten-foot titty, and I'll be up the river somewhere. No need to get too serious, just relax, that's the plan. You can have your lures and plastics, I'm an old bait man. Mullet gut and prawns, rotten in the midday sun. A piscatorial perfume, only appreciated by some. Let's go where the whiting abiding, and the flathead are lazing in the sand. With an esky and a ten-foot tinny. Leave me out the river somewhere Now the world's gone crazy People blowing themselves up They need to sit on Sawtell Beach And watch the sun come up I guess we take for granted this wild and beautiful land So let's celebrate our freedom and enjoy it while we can Let's go where the whiting abiding And the flathead are lazing in the sand With an esky and a ten-foot tinny And I'll be up a river somewhere Yes, leave me up a river somewhere Coming up on The Big Fish, just to give you that ABC balance, Stinker had the best trip ever last week. This week, same place, same boat, same bait, but a very different outcome. And Julie Ray with a great tip to avoid the Christmas seafood market queues. Don't queue, cure your own. Grab a lax and relax this Christmas. A great recipe coming up on The Big Fish.
comes Tinker with his fishing tips Some hot advice for your fishing trip Where to find him? What's the bait? Are you catching any, mate? Morning, Stinker. G'day, Scott. Last week, it was a fantastic story about one of the best trips you've ever had. Giant snapper, left, right and centre. Every rod bending. It was absolutely on fire. I believe the rellos turned up and you took the, the son-in-law out and it was a, a different story. At least we're getting balance on the ABC. Some of these fishing shows, they never have a bad day. Oh, I've had a few bad days. Don't worry about that. <laughs> when you have a bad day, you really appreciate a good day. <laughs> you know? And sometimes if you have two or three bad days in a row, you think, um, I've lost the knack. I, you know, I like as if you're playing cricket and you get three ducks. You think, oh, I can't bat anymore. <laughs> and then... Yeah, and then you might score a hundred. Would you? That you know, it's all the confidence too. You know, there's a lot of confidence involved. But what happened is that I, when I mentioned it to you, that I got those beautiful snapper IG. That was just a hot bite. It was not only snapper, but Traglin, remember, and of course then the tailor joined in, but um, and kingfish as well. It was just a boiling mass of fish. Well, I took my son-in-law back to exactly the same spot uh, a couple of days ago, and but there were different conditions. Um, we pretty much dropped the anchor on exactly the same spot. But the, the first time I went and got all those fish, there was a southerly blowing, and there was a good two-and-a-half-metre swell, and it was the high tide on sundown. So those three things combined to be to give me a successful outing. Well, this time it was low tide and the tide had just turned. I think low tide was around about 4 or four o'clock in the afternoon. And so we started fishing at dead low in the first of the run-in. The wind was a howling westerly, uh, which faced us in the wrong direction. And the swell was down to about a metre and a half. So conditions were entirely different. Scott, and so the, were the results. Yeah, and that just shows that um, location isn't necessarily the, the factor. Exactly. Uh, so, don't, you know, don't think that X marks the spot because X marks the spot on some occasions. But all we caught, we caught four small snapper, which barely measured, well, I didn't keep any of them, and one tailor which was very unlucky because I only had a single hook and normally nine times out of ten they'll bite me off but I got it in the boat it was a good one around about a kilo a little mate oh, a little nice. bit more yeah. well that was all we brought home one tailor after going out there and anchoring up and burling and the amount of bait fish in the water is uh, uh, very encouraging There's just yellow tail everywhere it's great to see so much uh, bait fish in the water. But what, what happens, Scott, is with that tailor, uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to smoke this fish. I've got a little smoker down there. It's not a real, it's not a real um, uh, good smoker, but it, it does the trick. And so I, I put a bit too much uh, wood in it. <laughs> too much wood chip in there, yeah. and I put a and I put a little bit too much metho in the fire. Oh, so I had this raging fire underneath the wood chip, and when it started to smoke, it's only a little thing, not much bigger than a shoebox. But when it started to smoke, did it smoke? And it smoked <laughs> pouring everywhere. And the next door neighbour comes out, 
He said, I can smell smoke. He said, there's a fire somewhere. He's, he's talking about getting the fire brigade. I said, no, no, don't get the fire brigade. I said, there's only I'm smoking a tail. <laughs> and then up, up the road, I saw them poke their heads out looking up and down the street. Because <laughs> if anyone smells smoke in our district, we're at the, <laughs> everyone's a little bit fearful. So I'll have to now go and tell all my mate neighbours, next time I'm going to smoke a tailor, I've got to go and tell all my neighbours not to ring the fire brigade. Well, you've got a smoking problem, haven't you? Did, did it come out all right or was it too smoky? No, I reckon it was too smoky, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I let everyone have a try. It was quite edible, but no, it was a little bit... <laughs> it's a bit, uh, yeah. bit like the taste bit of a bushfire. <laughs> bit over the top, yeah, yeah. So, um, oh, look, I'm, I'm sort of packing up for Christmas. What happens here at Fingal Bay, because it's so so popular, the, the um, boat launching site is closed because there are so many people on the beach, and that's fine. I have no issue with that at all. Um, and so I'll just go and find something else to do. But we're heading north. I go, yeah, I go up to Tweed Heads and, and enjoy it up at Tweed Heads for a while. Um, and then uh, just spend my time with my family. Like, that's what Christmas, Christmas is all about, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's it's uh, amazing what happens there when your boat ramp becomes the, the sunbathing and uh, play area for the for the kids and the families. It's called Kitty's Corner for a reason, isn't it? And, and really, I sort of I'm, I like to see people really enjoying themselves in that corner. And there's just so many people gather there that it's really it's dangerous for anyone even to consider driving a, a vehicle through because kids don't expect when they're on the beach to see a truck. Um, and some people who drive the trucks through aren't uh, don't understand that they've got to go very very slowly and like i've said before i always have a friend that walks in front of me and tells everybody that i'm coming and gives them so they don't get a fright or so the kids don't run in front of the truck yeah it's all just uh, respect for everybody else i suppose and how long are you um, out of action there at, at kitty's corner oh well it closes for a month It'll close uh, certainly between Christmas and the end of the school holidays, which is sort of the end of January. So I'll be back in business around February. And February, March, April, May are fantastic months. I used to fish for Mulloway in those months, but I've given that away. And so now if I can go out and catch a few snapper, that makes me more than happy. But, yeah, so February is a really, really good month because the kids are all back at school the boat ramps open. Uh, the weather's generally very good. You've got to pick up a few nor'easterly wind. I like a nor'easter. So really what I'll be looking forward to in February is around about a, uh, a two-metre sea, a nor'easterly wind with a high tide on sundown. Now, if I can get all those things lined up... Um, <laughs> I can pretty much guarantee that I'm going to catch beautiful snapper. We're speaking with Stinker, and, and when you move out, the tourists move in. What's their best chance of catching a fish in, in the, the safer waters around Port Stephens, inside the harbour, because it's a, a boating mecca, isn't it? Oh, it is. And the boat ramps will be chock-a-block full. It's Soldiers Point and Nelson Bay. They're, they're the two biggest ones, what they call Little Beach. But, um, Ted, if you intend to catch a snapper, I got one for the newspaper this week, 15-kilo snapper. A 15-kilo snapper is a great big fish. That's and a it big was fish. Caught, it is. That was caught on um, Bundlebar Island, which is directly outside the head. So if you sail 
out through the heads between Yakabar and Tomaree, the two headlands, um, north and south headland. You go straight out to sea, you'll run straight into um, Bundlebar Island, and it's um, just fish in close, fish the wash, a fish a floating bait. If you can get slimy mackerel, oh, that's deadly stuff, mostly. I reckon that's the best snapper bait on earth, slimy mackerel. And if you can get one of them and just cut it into blocks, I mean, all fillets it. You can fill it as well. Yeah, it's but very, fish. very soft, but gee, it's oily, yeah. isn't it? It's fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And don't throw the head away. Use the head too. The head will catch big snapper. So, uh, yeah, look, that's how if you want to catch a snapper or head off to Broughton Island. Just be, remember you're in a marine park, so there are rules that do apply. But if you want to just stay inside the, the port, I mean, there's been some wonderful reports all year round of beautiful flathead. And that's a great law, that one that come in in August the 1st of um, the slot limit for flathead. So nothing, you can't keep anything over 70 centimetres. Well, and that's a good rule. That's a really good rule. But something has come up this week, which I am really, really impressed by. And that is that um, with the marine park, there's now going to be on the curriculum in primary schools um, a course available for kids to learn all about uh, sustainability and habitat and natural resources and water quality and all those things that are so very important. And I think that's a major move. And, uh, oh, look, I only just found out about that, but it's just great stuff. I'm so pleased because that's the way to do it. If you can teach the kids... Um, what to uh, what to um, look after in the future? They are our future, and um, this is a very very positive move. And it's something that I guess you did intuitively when you were a sportsmaster there at the the high school, taking them fishing and and talking about sustainability back in those days. Oh look, I most certainly did. Um, and the kids around here, oh, they're pretty well trained in it all, really. But there are other areas that that probably um, have never been... It's never been spoken about. But in the senior school, they have marine studies and, and other courses that hedge around it. But now, if it's in the curriculum and it becomes a subject just like maths and English, um, that then is a great move forward because, I mean, really, um, sustainability and the future, the environment, is really what this is all about yeah if it's sustainability underpins everything we do in fishing you can't lose tight line stinker you have a great christmas break we'll catch you in the new year oh look scott i just would like to wish all our listeners a merry christmas i've had a wonderful year this year and merry christmas to you and your family and we'll meet up again next year looking forward to it stinker tight lines mate hello scott understand just what I mean. Now all through the week it's quiet as a mouse, but on Saturday night they go from house to house. You don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician. So if you happen to be just passing by, stop in at the Saturday night fish fry. It was right. Hey, 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 it's Jilly Ray. Good morning, Julie. Good morning. I'm rocking up and down, bopping away. Absolutely love it when you come on the show and um, you've been battered by those awful floods on the far north coast, but you're still standing. 
and you're still celebrating Christmas uh, with some great seafood on the table. What's the word from the local trawler folk? I know you've got your finger on the pulse there. Are they getting a a good haul of prawns? What's the prediction? Well, they've got a lot of school prawns. So if you're into school prawns, there is a plenty. They're the best, aren't they? The big Clarence River schoolies. They're so beautiful. Really yummy. There's plenty of those around, so have a look out for that. They're local. But, you know, he's saying that he's hoping the way the moon, the lunar um, cycle cycle is is working for them for this Christmas. So they're expecting a nice little haul this weekend and and week after. So, yeah, stay tuned for our local prawns. What's Uh, What's the problem with getting some fresh local prawns and snap freezing them green and then cooking them on Christmas Day? Why do you need to line up at your local fish shop or if you go down the Sydney fish market or anywhere just to, you know, queue up or order ahead? I know it's actually, I know there's a tradition, it's exciting, and you think it's, you know, I get there, but man, you know, I've all been in Sydney over Christmas and I'm not going to be hanging out at the Sydney Fish Market. <laughs> no, no, no. You've got a great idea. You cure rather than cue. That's the pay. Hey. I like what you've done there. I know. I've, I've been working <laughs> on that one. <laughs> I thought that was a spontaneous. Yeah, look. No offence, like Sydney Fish Market's great. It's a lovely, lovely, um, you know, to, that's a tradition for some people to get there. But if you don't want to get in the, you know, traffic or get on the transport, um, to cure the salmon is, is one thing I do. So I definitely, every year I have gravlax on my table. And of course, traditionally, you know, it's come from the Northern Hemisphere. And they used to, of course, you know, get catch the, the salmon early on in the springtime. And then they would... Cure I think there's it. actually a, a number of runs and there's a spring, uh, a, a summer autumn. and an autumn run too. Yes. So they get a, a big influx of salmon and sea trout into the rivers of the, you know, Scotland, Scandinavian countries, even England in the day. And, and uh, what, what do we do with it? The Scandinavians, what do we do with it? Scandi- exactly. Scandinavians worked out a, a way to, to cure it. Mm. Is that right? And curing means is, is cooking without heat. So, so with, what I do with sugar and salt... And then I put a little bit of, you know, if you want to put a bit of vodka or a bit of gin or... Just <laughs> On the fish or in you? <laughs> as well as you. So I just get, um, say if you just do one side of salmon, uh, which, you know, to me will, will feed a table and last for a few days of, say, eight to ten. But if you want to have a larger one, get a whole salmon, both sides, make sure they're pin boned, keep the skin on. And what you'll need to do is get in a large bowl a kilo of sugar, just any standard sugar, a kilo of salt. And then I actually add some dill. And if you want to make it really Christmassy, a whole beetroot that's grated. So then you put that into that makes the the salmon go that lovely ruby colour, making it even more Christmassy. Wow. And then I'll, I'll, you know, you don't have to add. That's That's a raw beet. Raw beetroot. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So just peel or, or I don't even peel, just wash it and just grate the whole thing in. Wow. That's so a mix that's with a that very sugar interesting and tip. yeah, the sugar and the salt. And some dill or any herbs that you like. Dill's nice, isn't it? Yeah. Well our dill them. and salmon, they're just a marriage it made does in heaven. Go well. That's right. And uh then I what's around I mean gin, there's so many gins around that've got some lovely native flavours if you wanted to add that. I just add a tablespoon of, of that or swish slug or you can do a vodka <laughs> or you can do a brandy, whatever you've got. One in the for cupboard, the fish, really. one, one for the chef. For the, one for the chef, that's the one. Or maybe it might be two for the chef depending <laughs> on what the tub of day is. Uh, and then once you've mixed that together, combine that, 
before you put your, your salmon down, make sure you make a really big, so I get some non-stick, sorry, sorry, I start with the foil, large foil that's enough to, to really cover both those uh, salmon pieces, that it's going to make sure it's covered securely because it will leak. So what you'll do is you put big two sheets of foil down and then put on top of that two pieces of non-stick baking paper. And then you'll lay the first piece of, sorry, you'll lay a quarter of that mixture of the sugar-salt mixture onto the base of uh, the, um, the foil, the foil yep. and the guide bake. Put your fish skin side down on top of that. Then add, uh, you know, another mixture, a half, sorry, Are you using quarter. brown sugar or just uh, regular no, sugar? No, 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 just, just standard white sugar. Right. Not caster, just white sugar. Yep. Um, and then, then coat basically the remaining thing on top. Then you put the flesh side down of the second half. Put the piece down, flesh side down, so both fleshes are oh, kissing each other. Sort of like a, other. a sandwich, yeah. Yeah. Skin, skin on the outside. Skin on the outside. Then add the rest of the remaining ingredients. Then wrap it securely. So you've got to make sure, you've got to really make sure that, that it's wrapped as securely as possible with the, with the non-stick paper, then the foil. And then I wrap it in, in, non, in um, if you, to keep it secure, I wrap it then in some, uh, glad wrap, sorry, some plastic film. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you could do some people that don't want to do that for, you know, for that, they don't like use cling film. You can get the wax paper and wrap it around. Just yeah. something even so just to a make real sure it's secure. Tight parcel because the Scandinavians, and I know you tried this, but it didn't work because you didn't have permafrost. But uh, to dig a hole and stick it in a hole by the by in, the river by the river in the permafrost, mm. don't they? Mm. That's right. Well, I mean, if you've got a freezer that freezes over really well, that can do well. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> don't right. Do that. Don't do that. No, and then um, I put it onto a tray. That fits it, and this is where you got to clear your fridge. So you can do this a uh, few days. Great to do this a few days before Christmas, so that you can then have space for the rest of your turkey, or hams, whatever you want to put in there, or other fish, and then um, then just put it into the fridge. And I put weights on top of that. So just cans, you know, some cans. Just sit, sits that mm-hmm. on top, and then every twelve hours I turn it. And I leave that for um, two days. So that's sort of squashing it, compressing it into all of the sugar and salt and, right. and the dill and the yeah. gin and the other yeah. things. So 12, every 12 hours you can turn it over each side and then and it'll get quite sticky. So, of course, you've got the beetroot too. Just make sure you take it. So you need the tray. Mm. Take it out and, um, you know, you either put some gloves on or, or just some, make sure you wash your hands really well. And then once um, it's cured after those two days, unwrap it, take it out. Uh, you'll need to... Just then wash off, get rid of the, the filling that you've done, the curing. And then under the tap, not a big rushing tap, just, you know, just Gentle, gently wash yeah. it. Gently wash it. And then you've got your beautiful Gravlax that you can present. And you slice it. When you slice it, lovely, nice, sharp filleting knife. And slice it from the thicker end at an angle to have it. Would you it put it onto really... blini, blinis with sour cream or? You could go blinis. Whatever yes. they're called. Blinis. You could do I that. Thought. I do little, um, you can buy these little beautiful uh, flaky pastry um, ca- um, cups. Oh, I've yes. seen some good delis and yes. I could fill that with some. Like a, a volavant case. A star, a volavant, but they're really fine pastry, yeah. like, a, uh, like a phyllo pastry. I think they're mm-hmm. phyllo pastry um, cups. And you fill the, put the, the little slivers of. Salmon into that and then put some sour cream on top. Yeah, well, I put a little sour cream with um, a bit of cream and oh, some yeah. horseradish. Nice. Or you can do wasabi. And I put that in, put with some grav, with the gravlax, and then I put some nice little 
chive on top. It oh, looks quite pretty. Yes. Or you can get some nice little salmon roe yep. to oh, go on top. Yes. And it just makes it really pretty for your table. And then as well as having – so I do that to start with. Mm. Um, my frozen prawns because I haven't cooed. And I have those thawing and I've actually cooked those up and I've done those on the barbie. I've split them in half and I've cooked them on the barbecue. Uh, and I can have those. So that's little starters, you know. Or, oh. you know, my kids still go because when my mother-in-law was around – um, we used to always have to have the prawn cocktail. Nothing no. wrong with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, they're great. It, it, it depends on the quality of the prawns, but they're nice on the barbie when they're a bit yeah. caramelised, aren't they? They're just yeah. maybe a bit of um, sort of chilli flake or something, something give them a bit of yeah. bit of oomph. Oh, look, that that's sounds right. so good. Because we've got an um, orphan at my table this Christmas. We've got lots of... Um, Lots of palms. Hello for the palms out there, little English oh, people. Wow, what an experience! Northerners, yeah. Northerners from Yorkshire oh. are coming at my table. So uh, they haven't had a few of them. Haven't had uh, a, a an summer Aussie Christmas seafood. Before. Christmas. Aussie seafood haven't had a warm one, so wow. they're just finding it a little bit odd. So. Well, will, at the moment, they're doing it so tough over there with the energy squeeze and the price of living that mm-hmm. I was listening to a correspondent on uh, from the BBC on the ABC saying that it was a choice between heat or eat. This Christmas. Yes, amazing. <laughs> so well, they're going to love it at your place. Yeah, they will. They will. But um, I have to say, they keep on saying, will there be Yorkshire pudding? <laughs> and I don't think, well, no, there won't be Yorkshire pudding because we're not in Yorkshire. That's so. right. No, just <laughs> when in Rome or when in... It's like, no, it's called seafood. <laughs> seafood and eat it. That's the one. But of course, one. you can also do your whole fish on the barbie, which would be great. And, you know, to just I think seafood on the table at Christmas just looks so beautiful and there's not a lot of sweating over the turkey elder ham no well i've got to go out and get the blue swimmer crabs the week before christmas that's my task last year yep. did pretty well it's a very stressful time i feel i know how those commercial fisher folk, folk feel when they've you know <laughs> they don't fill the krill they don't eat but uh, usually i get a few so um fingers well it's good to have good to have you in the family doing that I've, if i was up here i have a good friend that goes and Catches the crabs too, but unfortunately, um, in Yorkshire, in a sense, in Sydney. No, well, the trouble is you can't freeze them. They are just so awful when they're frozen. Not blue swimmers. Yeah, you've got to get them fresh. There's no no comparison. Hey, it's fantastic. That's the cure for the winter blues. Do that that (laughs) gravlax salmon is a great idea. Just grab a slab of Tasmanian salmon and turn it into something really special. I love the 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 tip about the grated uh, raw beetroot to give it that ruby uh, finish. I mean. But just, you can also, just to let you know, if you think you've got too much, you can freeze it. Yeah, yeah. So it can be frozen and then you can bring it out, you know. Oh, um, they need fr- all of Freeze it, it with, the, with the you know skin on. You can actually make sure you wrap it well so it doesn't get any freezer burn and it can be frozen. And but it's can... a, just a great way and much cheaper to do than buying a whole you know, smoked salmon. Yeah, and the, the skin the skins go goes really hard and leathery, so you don't eat that. Yeah. You're, you're cutting down the beautiful slithers of... Uh, beautiful ruby red pink salmon and then putting that onto whatever you want to put it on and uh, yeah keep the skin just another tip quick I'll be quick Scott that the skin once you've get further in you can then put that skin over the top of the salmon as you said you know you'll have lots of don't don't take the skin off and so the skin will actually act as a as another insulator nature's wrapping nature's wrapping and then Mm -hmm. if you want to you can then cure it and make shoes out of it well, you know, at the Sydney Fish Market in the um, auditorium, there is actually salmon skin lining the walls. Oh, lovely. Yes, lovely. So there you go. You could actually be looking I, for wallpaper. Yeah, I didn't dry know they... Dry out that salmon skin. I didn't know they <laughs> built I didn't know they built on that scale 
But uh, <laughs> Julie Ray, enough of that. They're the Christmas cracker jokes coming out. <laughs> you have a merry Are you one. Sure, you don't write for the bonbon. <laughs> I do write the bonbon jokes. Oh, good stuff, Julie Ray. Thanks so much for joining us. You've done good it again. Stuff. So cure. Merry don't, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cure. Don't cue this. This Christmas. understand just what I mean. Now all through the week it's quiet as a mouse, but on Saturday night they go from house to house. You don't have to pay the usual admission if you're a cook or a waiter or a good musician. So if you happen to be just passing by, stop in at the Saturday night fish fry. It was rocking. It was rocking. It was rocking. You never see such scuffling and shuffling till the break of dawn. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.